and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zachary. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe if you do subscribe. You won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. But speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. It's 7 p.m. Eastern time. And that means that we are live on YouTube, on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel. So you can go there and join in the show. You can watch the show, comment, give us your thoughts. And we love responding and uh, and interacting with everybody. It's always a ton of fun. And so go there, subscribe, hit the notification bell, yada, yada. And you can watch the show live. At Joel Scrovers, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National, and A to Z Sports.com for everything that Zach writes on the internet. Man, it is a good Monday. That's that's kind of a rare thing. You know, everybody talks about, what was it, Garfield the Cat, he hated Mondays. Um, but it's a good Monday because we got to watch the Tennessee Volunteers play basketball smack in the middle of the day. Always a ton of fun in the Maui Invitational. I love, love, love this entire week because you get to watch a bunch of basketball in the middle of the day. Then you get to go eat with friends and family, and and you know the food's amazing. And then you get to watch football for the entirety of the rest of the weekend. That Friday is always packed. That Thursday has the Egg Bowl. The the Saturday is always Rivalry Saturday. Man, it's a good week. What's up, Zach? Yeah, it's it's kind of wild to think it's the last week of the regular season already. I mean, it goes by so fast. It seems like just yesterday we we're complaining about the Austin P game and what to think about this Tennessee team. And honestly, the after the first few weeks, that was pretty much what what we should have expected. This that's kind of been the the team the whole season. It's it's been a bit of a struggle, but uh, you know, it's shaping up to be a decent ending to the season if they can kind of finish this off the right way which i'm sure we'll get into here in a bit yeah you you gotta hope that uh that the boys can finish out obviously first off with a win over vandy that one's a given but then you have the bowl game on the horizon we're going to talk about that in in today's show uh there seems to be a real unanimous bowl game prediction for tennessee zach wrote about it today on a to z sports.com we're going to discuss that but then also it's a good Monday, <laughs> but Saturday wasn't so hot. Uh, Tennessee got drugged through the mud by Georgia. Obviously, we will be breaking that down in the opening segment of the show and just kind of talking about the the implications of that entire situation because it was not great. It was not good at all, and there was a lot of really poor everything. Rich coaching, playing, take a pick. I mean, <laughs> every single bit of it sucked except for the fans. Fans always show up. They always uh, are amazing. Oh, and Dolly. Dolly was great. Well, except even they messed up Dolly's mic. Talked to some folks that were there, uh, and they said that you couldn't hear a single thing that Dolly did or said. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those days. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, huh, boy. My, Mike says, when is basketball's next game at Maui? Sometime tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know the exact time. It won't be as early as today. That game was at 9.30 a.m. local time there. 2.30 here, of course, but uh, no, I'm not sure exactly when it would be. We'll, we'll we'll discuss it when it does happen, but let's get to Georgia. 
unfortunately, we do have to talk about this, but we'll talk about it right after I tell you about the great Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health Dental and Vision, for better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Big shout-out to them, our our longest-tenured sponsor on the show. They keep uh, keep supporting us. So, uh, it was a fun first play against Georgia. I mean, <laughs> opening opening play. Jalen Wright rips off of however 75 yard run or whatever it was just massive and incredible. And I, you know, I talked to people that were there and they said it, it was, that was, you know, among the loudest that Nealon can get. And then that was it. That was pretty much the one bright spot. Congratulations, everybody. And then Tennessee just got hammered in that game. Um, you watch this sack. What, uh, what were your, your high level thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, that uh, the first play, I think we all kind of knew, like, okay, this game's far from over. That's a that's a great start. That's what you have to do against against this team to have a chance. And it was cool that Jalen Wright and Tennessee kind of had that moment in Neyland against Georgia, even though they didn't get the win. That was still for him on a personal level. I'm I'm sure he'd rather have the win, but that's still a, a, a nice moment for him that that he'll always have. But man, I don't understand, you know, starting with Jalen Wright, how you you have that play on the first play of the game, a scripted play. Jalen Wright said he knew for a couple of days he was he was going to get the ball on that type of play. How do you only give him the ball eight more times the rest of the day? That's the thing I don't understand. I mean, he's so dynamic. I, I, he's the top of the depth chart as electric as Dylan Sampson is. We saw Dylan Sampson have a couple of missteps. There was uh, one play I'm, I'm sure everybody saw where he kind of, went you know ran right into his own blocker instead of kind of following the hole there and, and potentially having a bigger gain Jalen Wright has been so good in those situations showing patience and then just kind of you know putting one foot in the ground hitting the hole showing some burst and really outrunning everybody I mean he's are some Georgia defensive backs that will be in the NFL one day and he yeah. left them way behind him you know after seeing Missouri the previous week give Cody Schrader the ball was it 40 times out of 75 of their plays? I mean, he touched the ball on almost half of their plays because he was just that good and that dominant. How do you not do the same thing if you're Tennessee? I mean, that was kind of uh, – on a day where a lot went wrong, that was the first thing that, that jumped out to me. And then beyond that, obviously, the the defense, just kind of the style that they've played. Oddly enough, the Tennessee's defense is statistically a little bit better this season than it was last season. And I don't think it would be a story at all if the offense had been doing its part, you know, only averaging 19 points a game in SEC games. You know, to me, it comes down to the play calling has been vanilla. You haven't been getting the hands, the ball in the hands of Jalen right enough. And then the quarterback play just, just hasn't been good enough. I mean, say what you will about Joe Milton, and I know we'll dive into all that, but that, uh, you know, it all starts there. And when you have a, a quarterback that's probably not in the top half of the quarterbacks in the SEC, it's hard to expect to win those games. Yeah, there's a lot when it comes to the Joe Milton situation. Everybody has their hot take. Everybody, it's oh, 100% Joe's fault. It's the wide receivers more than it's Joe. It's the offensive line. The defense is the main problem. Whatever it is, you lost. 
by a ton, and you didn't score. And this is the worst offense of Josh Heupel's entire career as a head coach. And there's all of these different elements. It's You can chop it up however you want to. And I mean, obviously, I have my, my opinions as far as that goes, and I'm happy to share them. But I, those are the facts on the ground. I believe by a pretty large margin, this is easily Heupel's worst offense ever as a head coach. 30 points a game overall, which is number 49 in the nation. That's a pretty far cry from the first two seasons. And uh, what was it last year? 44, I think. Something. And and like I said, 19 points a game in SEC play. That's really the number that that sticks out more than anything. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, that, that will not get it done. Period. Obviously, as a as a dude who has in his head coaching career historically had to score thirty points in games to win, that was that was the stat actually until that Texas A and M game. The Texas A and M game was the first game of his time as a head coach that he won, scoring less than thirty points. So it can be done, but it's rare. And so that you know that thirty point mark is the magic number, and he's right at it. And so you don't have the ideal season, but you go eight and four, and that, like you know that's the thing. They went eight and four, and you look at that, you strip away any of the context of what happened. Like eight and four, hey, Butch Jones was over here freaking getting rings made for eight and four. He would have thrown a party and and told the fans they were stupid for thinking that that wasn't the best thing that's ever happened to Tennessee football. Um, but at eight and four, when you look at how this happened, I mean, you just you got pantsed by Missouri, and you look completely uncompetitive against. Uh, Georgia. And that's, you have to close the gap there. You have to close the gap against Georgia. That's the thing. Period. Point blank. End of story. That's it. You have to. Like, that's the prerequisite to going to where this has to go for Heupel to, get, you know, to be the coach Tennessee needs him to be. And that's the annoying narrative that we have to talk about but that's that's the way it is and there's there's what no happened? overnight there's no overnight fix for that either and that's the thing is going into this game like i'm i'm way more bothered by the missouri loss the alabama loss the way they played in the second half the florida loss those three losses they're a little different than this georgia one. this georgia one late in the season i mean we talked about it last week georgia has hit their stride carson beck looked like almost underrated. Like I'm surprised to say that about a Georgia quarterback nationally. You haven't really heard about this guy. You've heard about the, you know, Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Caleb Williams and all these guys, but Carson Beck looked as, as good as any quarterback I've seen uh, against Tennessee on Saturday. But beyond that, you had no depth. Both of your offensive tackles were out. Uh, you, you had Spraggins uh, getting hurt early in the game. You had, you know, obviously all the injuries that came into the game with, being down linebacker depth, wide receiver depth, secondary depth. I mean, you're playing a walk-on for the entire game in the secondary, who played pretty well, I might add, uh, considering the situation. It was an unwinnable situation with what Hypo had out on the field. And when you combine the you know, below-average quarterback play, or even if you want to call Joe Milton average at best, he executed what Tennessee asked him to execute. There were some overthrows. There were some receivers' drops. But he he's not he's just never going to be the guy that can okay we we're short tonight like we're we're banged up on the offensive line we don't have playmakers he's not going to make make up for that he needs a super strong supporting cast around him of playmakers to go out and win a game and that's you know that's what Tennessee's really missed this entire season you combine all those factors 
38 to 10 is not that big of a surprise. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a big element with Joe Milton where it's what you, you never saw happen with him. And you just look at the way that the stats stack up. There have never been deep balls. They rarely pass across the middle. The, and everything is short passes out into the flat. A lot of times behind the line of scrimmage, just very elementary stuff. And then when he runs, he looks like he doesn't really want to. And it's, and you, you never know with a quarterback. I mean, you, you could go back and look as much as you're able to, but you'll never know like how many passes he could have hit and didn't. And you know, the, the guy was, wide open and he just chose not to throw the ball there. And then a lot of, t- there's obviously been a lot of times where he did have that guy wide open. He does throw the ball and he, he overthrows him or underthrows him or whatever it's been. I mean, you, you see the deep ball a lot of times with deep ball. It's like, he almost got, he got scared by his own hype mm-hmm. where they were like, he could throw 80 yards. He could throw 80 yards. And then all of a sudden he's underthrowing every single deep pass. And like and, he was putting too much air under the ball period. Yes. On a lot of those deep throws. Like he was just throwing it straight up in the air. It didn't look, and, and then obviously that's really hard to control with any sort of accuracy. And you ended up in some, some tough situations there, but I, yeah, I agree. He, it, it, it's almost the same. He's not, it's almost the same thing that we said about Will Levis last season is that it feels like Joe Milton is trying to be who people want him to be instead of just being himself. Like even in the post game press conferences, when you hear him talk, it's not that he's saying anything wrong by any means. I mean, I, nothing but good things to say about Joe Milton and by all accounts, it's a tremendous person on and off the field loved yes. by teammates, but it just doesn't feel natural on him. Like the way it did with Hendon hooker, you know, you know that when a quarterback just kind of has that and, and it's like, I'm not saying he's like Will Levis, but that same vibe of like, okay, that just feels unnatural watching this and listening to this. Yeah. You, you put the ball in his hand and you don't just feel like, yeah, he's got this. <laughs> Like, you're just like, if I call these plays the right way, he might have this. You know, it's yeah, more like yeah. that. <laughs> when Hendon Hooker let go of the ball, and, and it's it's not fair to compare Milton to Hooker, but it is the natural comparison because it's, you know, year three, and you want to progress in year three, obviously, and you want to move forward in the program and build on what you did last season. And when Hooker would let go of the ball, you just felt like something good was going to happen. And right now when Milton lets go of it, it's over the middle. It's it's not like I have this scared feeling that he's going to throw an interception because he's taking care of the ball pretty well. He's had some tough interceptions, but he's he's had like six on the year. It's not like he's yeah like Levis last season, like he's in the fifteen range. You just didn't feel like anything good was going to happen. Like it's it's going to be an overthrow. It's going to be off target. It's just not going to be you know it's a fifty fifty chance that something good's going to happen here. That's kind of the feeling you have, or at least I have. Absolutely. Uh, I mean that that's one hundred percent it. And and it's just really tough. I, yeah, Cameron in the comments says it here: square peg, round hole. Like that's that's kind of long and short of it. It's just like you you really want him to be the, that thing, but it just is not. I mean, he has the build of Cam Newton, and you want him to be that type of guy. And it just whatever it is, it's just not there. And that you know, there's that. And so that's led to this conversation. People want to see Nico play in this final Vandy game. He he could he could retain his red shirt and still play because he can also play in the bowl game and retain his red shirt because that apparently that rule changed last offseason. I missed that, but people brought it up on Twitter and then I, I saw actual 
stuff about it. It looks like it's that's a very real thing. And so he could play in these last two games, not lose his red shirt, you know, just let it fly. And to me, I I don't I don't think Hypel's gonna do that. Fans really either. want him to do that. I don't he's not gonna do that. I, I don't think. I don't Especially think not on senior day in New York yeah. Stadium. Like that's not happening. Well, look, I mean, in this like this is a criticism of Hypel. It's not a going after his head. Uh, it, we can talk about coaches without saying they should be fired or without any of this talk. Like, it's none of that. It's just, hey, this is one thing Hypel does that I don't really love. And sticking with Joe Milton this season after you kind of – I mean, he knows him as well as anybody at this point. After you've seen what you've seen at Michigan the first two years, I mean, he is what we saw in that Pittsburgh game you know, pretty much early on in, in 2021. He hasn't really progressed since then. Like, that that's who the guy Not is. A lot. That's, and that's fine. Like, whatever. It, it's it's okay. But knowing that, Hypo had to know that going with him this season wasn't the best thing for this program to win 10 or 11 games. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. That's in the past, whatever. Moving forward with Nico, like, he's your guy in 2024. He's played a handful of snaps. He's played like what, like seven series, maybe this entire season between Virginia, uh, UConn, and uh, he played one other game, I think. There, UTSA. Uh, U- yeah, UTSA. Yep. He's barely seen any action. If you want to go roll with him going into twenty twenty four, you want him to prepare like a starter and actually start a game, like a couple of games at the end of the season. Guys he's going to be playing with, the Chaz Nimrod, Squirrel White, Caleb Webb, some of these guys that will be his targets next season, that would be invaluable to get that at the end of this season instead of starting fresh next season. It's like it's his first career start, and you're wanting this team to compete for a college football playoff spot in 2024. I mean, that's the expectation. Yeah. There, there, That is the expectation. It has to be the expectation in year four with a five-star quarterback. How do you pass on that? And I get that it's senior day, so that puts you in a tough situation. You know, I don't I don't know if you're hypo. He didn't talk about it today. He wasn't really asked about it today. I was kind of surprised that that didn't come up at all, really. But I don't know. Like, you, you've got to make a decision there on what's best for the program, what's best for Joe Milton. Like, what do you what do you do here? I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. I know it's a tough spot to be in as a coach. I'm not saying that. You know, it's an easy decision at all. And and that's why I think he is in a really tough spot this week. Yeah, it is really tough because you, you know, if you got benched in your final game of your, the final regular season game of your college career, that looks really bad for NFL yeah. scouts. Um, I mean, well, I, I don't I think don't... Milton has a lot. Like I, I think he'll get like some tryouts, but I don't see him sticking on an active roster. No, I, I in, unless they're just some some switch is flipped. And I mean, and you even look, you know, everybody had this hope for, for Will Levis coming out, you know, the kind of like, Oh, well he was bad in college, but maybe he can be Josh Allen. Josh Allen was bad in college. Well, now Josh Allen, it kind of seems like he's even regressing back to the mean. He's like throwing 40 interceptions a game. And like, they're not nearly as good as people thought they were going to be this year. And so, I mean, you just look at like the, the, actual chances of him going to the league and succeeding like that like yeah it's happened where a dude is not great in college and then they go on to be 
really good in, in the NFL. More than ever, college football is like AAA, you know, in, in MLB. You're playing yes. against dudes that are trying to get to the pros for the most part, especially if you're in the SEC, the Big Ten, whatever, Big 12 even to some extent. If you're not good against them there, what makes you think it's going to be any better when you get to the next level? I mean, it really is kind of like a farm system at this point. So I, I do think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying there as far as pro prospects. Yeah, I mean, it, and so you you look at that. I, he's going to have no matter what ends up happening. I'm sure he'll have a good pro day where he he looks. He's just he's a physically impressive guy. That's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, it just ah, that is really tough. And he's been really good to you, and he stuck around all that time, and you wanted to be rewarded for that. But has he done enough to? continue to earn that spot when you have the number one player in America from his recruiting class sitting on the bench, bonafide front to back five-star guy who looks like he has a ton of talent and he's going to be your starter next year. And to your exact point, you want him to get starts before he actually has to get real, you know, down in the mud starts. Oh boy. I, I don't know. I don't envy Josh, Josh Heupel there. And then there's also this conversation pivoting a little bit but still you know tangentially related there there was a lot i i think somebody somebody back here asked or said uh yeah jason crow says hypel has lost his edge i don't know i necessarily agree with that but there's a real conversation to be had here that this overall was not a great coaching year for josh hypel you his his system got exposed in that it is very <clears throat> it is very uh uh, what's the word predictable is predictable system. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is set in stone. Hypo believes in it. He's going to run it no matter what. And that damn it. We're going to do it till the wheels fall off. Well, the wheels fell off this year. The wheels fell off. Like somebody, somebody said to me on, on Twitter, I, I tweeted out when we were talking about Jalen, Wright. I tweeted out, like, I don't understand why Jalen, Wright Doesn't play. And you could also play Jalen, Wright And Dylan Sampson together and have two great physical specimens. They are on the field. It's two great athletes that you could work with. Uh, and, and somebody replied and said, well, Josh Heupel's offense doesn't have, that's not Josh Heupel's offense. Well, Josh Heupel's offense is stunk this year. I'm sorry. Maybe he should do something about that. Maybe maybe you could step out and change that. Maybe you could adjust. Maybe you could do something different. And, and you know, what what should be said there? Because if if you don't have your Jalen Hyatts and your your Cedric Tillmans, is, are just the wheels going to come flying off every single year if those guys aren't there? Like if you get injuries? That's not great. So that that's a whole that's a deep rabbit hole to go down. But I don't know if you have any well, thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it. I mean, I still think it's just as simple as quarterback play. I think you saw with Hendon Hooker last season that it felt like the the offense was a step ahead of everybody they played. Right, like there was constantly these new wrinkles. It was creative. As Tennessee fans were like, "What?" You know, the criticism we heard about UCF, which is what we're kind of seeing this season, the same seven eight plays over and over and over in a game we heard that a lot and then last season we didn't really see that like they were much more creative like we said seemed like they were always just kind of adding new stuff to it evolving showing stuff not showing it again i mean and that's the reason they were so successful i think it really just comes down to he didn't have the quarterback to execute a lot of that stuff and to get too crazy with it and there is the fact that there was there were times that Hypo schemed guys open. Like there were deep shots that either Milton missed, receivers dropped. We heard during the CBS broadcast a couple of times, like, hey, Milton had a guy down the field and didn't see it, you know, a couple of times where 
if those plays are executed, it changes everything. It changes the way the defense plays Tennessee. It changes the way we perceive the offense. It it opens everything up. So I don't think it's this. There's this reason for this huge freak out of well, Heupel was you know his system doesn't work anymore. It's not going to work next season moving forward. I just think there's all these variables that went into it that just made this season kind of like a perfect storm and. We're talking about it like it's a disaster, and it could still end up being nine and four, which is no reason for celebration in year three. And Heupel, like you kind of mentioned earlier, he's not like Butch. He's not having rings made. He's not out there celebrating it. He's he's talking about the season in a somber tone when you hear him talk to the media. But after the last 15 years, I don't think we can get too down in the dumps about nine and four being a letdown season. Like we got to remember where we've been the last, you know, little bit. Absolutely. You have to keep everything in perspective. I mean, somebody who was uh, the guy uh, Leland on on Twitter, <clears throat> he tweeted something like uh, Josh Heupel is going to go eight and four with Joe Milton. Lincoln Riley is about to go seven and five with Caleb Williams. Just yeah. think about that's, that. And you're like, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good point. And seven and five in the Pac-12, which is. Yeah, I mean, not, were, not Alabama and Georgia. You know, like they had Alabama. Uh, I mean, Tennessee had Alabama. You play the same second half that you played in the first half, and you beat them in Tuscaloosa with Joe Milton. Like, I don't know what happened at halftime of that game. I mean, that's that's going to be one of the great mysteries that we we have to reflect on when we talk about missed opportunities. But yeah, for for everything that 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 this season hasn't been, we got to think about you know also where we've been with some of these five and seven Jared Garantano horrible offenses, you know, trying to grind out a win against Mississippi state type stuff and, and eight and five being the best year under Jeremy Pruitt, kind of that kind of stuff. This isn't that bad. Yeah. I, I just, I hope that when you get, uh, you get Nico in here for three years and you get recruiting classes on top of recruiting classes, you start stacking that talent and give it a chance to develop. And I would say, Maybe defensively, maybe fire Willie Martinez. Maybe that's an interesting one because recruits I, seem to like him a lot. No, I know. I, know. Is it, I think his contract's expiring. He didn't. He was like one of the only ones that didn't have a wasn't under contract beyond this season. He's got history with Heupel, and they were at Oklahoma yeah. at one point together. So I don't. I don't know what just happens there. Not they're not fundamentally sound. Like they don't play good football. That's that's my main problem there. If they were all just like, you know, incompetent kids out there, fine. Well, I do, I mean, I do think just... that kind of goes to the point that Jason's making there with five-star recruits on the field. I mean, Tennessee has two five-star players on the roster. One's They're Nico. Out. One's yeah. Brew McCoy. I mean, yeah. they don't have that talent there. Georgia has like 13 and then you go to four stars. Georgia has something absurd, like 50, 40, or 50-some four stars on the roster. Tennessee's got like 30. I mean, it just kind of trickles down from there. Like, that is a huge gap in talent. You got to hit the portal, obviously. But even that's kind of an uncertainty as far as what you're getting. Just because a guy hits the portal from Oklahoma, if he's not seeing the field at Oklahoma, it doesn't mean he's going to be doing much better at Tennessee. It It's still really comes down to recruiting, you know, landing elite high school recruits. Those are the guys that Georgia has out there that are really making the plays. You gotta you gotta win the battles against them. Like until you 
yep. start landing top five classes, how can you expect to beat them? Schemes only going to do so much, so much, especially on defense. Like there are no secrets on defense. You're either bigger and faster and stronger, or you're not. Like that's I, it. Really comes down to that. I mean, short of of just getting straight up getting better talent. I mean, Crompton on our post game show, he also brought up that he kind of liked the DBs. He's he questions whether they're particularly well coached. I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, obviously he has all the the very detailed, like technical knowledge there to notice things that your your lay person is not going to notice. And and I thought that was interesting. And so maybe you have other other considerations there. I'm you know I'm not saying fire the wide receivers coach, but I'm just saying that that's something he the man knows what he's talking about, and he brought that up too. So the wide I'm, receivers there they've they do seem like they've regressed in this. Like even Ramel Keaton. And I don't know. It almost seems like a focus issue, like that. Maybe the focus of the whole team, maybe that, you know, stems from leadership. I don't know, but it does seem like they just haven't been as locked in this season. Like we've seen flashes. There's yeah. been flashes. There's been good, pl- some good plays here and there, but the consistency has just not been there, which has been really odd to see. Cause I think, I don't know, like Crompton, but. It seems like Kelsey Pope's well-regarded as a wide receivers coach. He's recruited pretty well based on what we saw last season and, and some of the progress that had been made. I don't I don't know. Like, that is a, kind of an odd thing that, that's happened this season. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I just – maybe you'll see the coaching changes this offseason. Maybe maybe not. I Because as, as you said kind of near the beginning of the segment, statistically the defense got better. To me – you can hawk on the defense all you want. The offense is really the story for this season. The offense, relative to what Josh Heupel has done, has been terrible. 19 points per game in SEC play. 17 points in the last two games. I believe the nine points in the second half between, uh, was it Florida, Georgia, Missouri, Alabama combined? So, yeah, nine nine and that and that puts that puts a lot of stress on the defense too i mean that's why it does the defense on saturday night there were things that that like somebody mentioned linebacker play elijah herring looks lost out there at times uh beasley hasn't been as good this season i don't think he's been bad by any means but it doesn't seem like he's been quite as good as last season like you know especially towards the end of last season but dudes are gassed. I mean, they're on the field a lot. These three and outs in very much forty so. seconds of real time. I mean that that's taxing on a defense. So it was hard to ask for much more from them on Saturday night, especially the yeah. way Georgia was kind of methodically exploiting the zone and just not these chunk plays. I mean, they're kind of going on long drives. That's that's tough to handle. I mean, I I think about it like this when it comes to the defense. I I wanted Willie Martinez fired after last year too, even though it was an eleven and two season. I still wouldn't mind it, but I, I the thing that gives me pause always talking about the defense this year is that I think it's unequivocally true that if you took this year's defense and you combined it with last year's offense, that is a playoff team. They wouldn't have lost to South Carolina. They, they probably still lose to Georgia, and just because that was, you know, again an offensive yeah. nightmare there. Uh, Georgia only scored what twenty four points in that one, twenty seven. And so twenty twenty seven, you know, whatever it was. But, <clears throat> um, yeah, I I just think 
that that element is what keeps me from just a lot of people are like fire Tim Banks, fire Tim Banks, and you're like, ah, defense actually got better this year. It it wasn't it, no by no means was it, you know, Georgia or or like quote unquote really great or anything, but I mean, dude, that would have been a real f- that team last year was a force to be reckoned with, even with the the poorer defense, much less with the one that you got this year. So. I don't know. Not to give him a pass, but I just always I think about that. Um, ben says Charlie wants everyone except himself fired for every third down given up. Did you see Georgia's third down conversion rate in that game? I'm sorry. Is that acceptable? The one that got me was it was a third and seven, I believe. And Brock Bowers was out wide and the DB was playing 10 yards off of Bowers. And, and I get you're not trying to give up big plays, but if you got third and seven, like that's your chance to hold them there. Force of at that point, it was a field goal, field goal range. You're just giving it to them, especially Bowers. I mean, you run to the sticks. He's right there. It was an easy, easy third down conversion. Like Beck didn't even have to look anywhere else. Those are the ones that are frustrating to me. I get that sometimes you're going to get pressure and guys are going to be down the field and the quarterback's going to scramble for a play. I mean, Hendon Hooker did it to teams last season all year long. That's that's going to happen. It's really hard to defend that. It's just those those ones where you can tell before the ball snap, like, yeah, that's going to be a first down right there. Like, that's, everybody sees it. Yeah. Well, we could, man, we could keep going on everything that happened. A couple more things that we want to talk about with football. Uh the bowl predictions. We're going to talk about that. There has emerged a kind of unanimous pick for some reason uh, as to the bowl game that Tennessee might go to. Uh, I think it's under the assumption that Tennessee beats Vanderbilt, of course, uh, which is a fair assumption. But I did want to talk briefly about the recruiting implications of getting your doors blown off by Missouri and Georgia. And if and if there are any, there was a whole bevy of high-end players i mean bunch of five stars bunch of four stars at that game on saturday and they watched tennessee get humiliated by georgia and what you know what might that mean for tennessee if anything it might it might not mean anything it might really not make a difference or it might uh so let's talk about it right after i tell you about our great sponsor hello fresh with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. The holidays are right around the corner, and HelloFresh can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you tons of time. The holiday season can be hectic, and that's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in. These quick fixes help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. Zach and I have both got it, and uh, it really is awesome. It really is incredibly convenient. you got to get your hands on some because everyone wants to come back on errands and spending time in checkout lines this time of year, and you can do that with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VolsFree and use code VolsFree, V-O-L-S-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. That is one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash VolsFree with code VolsFree. Go there now, HelloFresh.com slash VolsFree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All righty. Tons of five-star players that were at that game on on Saturday. And, um, you know, they all 
all of the reports that you heard was that they had a good time. And of course, Tennessee is going to show them the best time that they can. But what Tennessee cannot control, or well, they can control it to whatever extent they can control it, but what they didn't get done was a win on Saturday, but not just that. They got run off the field in their own building in front of all these recruits and a bunch of recruits who you are also competing with Georgia for. Some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. And I'll, I'll just first throw it to you, Zach. Do you think that it's going to have a, a negative effect on recruiting? Not just the Tennessee win 8-4. and four. I mean, that's not a terrible season, as we've been saying. But the way that you've lost these games, maybe. I mean, it can't be good. It's not a positive. It's hard to, you know, sure. it, it forces the coaching staff to recruit a little harder. Their sales pitch has to be a little better. Their relationship has to be a little better. Uh, Kirby Smart's a good recruiter. Nick Saban, all these guys that are landing top talent. It, it's hard enough to go up against them just how good they are out on the recruiting trail, let alone when they can promise championships, especially Kirby. I mean, they haven't lost a game since 2021. How If you're going up... If you're going up against Georgia for a five-star recruit, I don't care if he's an in-state kid or not. Like, that kid wants to get to the NFL. He wants to win a national championship in college, which the type of players you should be going after, that's that's what they should want to do. It's hard to fault Tennessee for not getting one of those guys over Georgia. Like, they just can't offer that at this point. So, it's, it's still got to be this slow build where you you win a couple of these because your relationship is so good and a, and a kid believes in your vision and they want to come there, but I do think it makes it more difficult. Uh, you can sell the future a lot. You can sell what you did last season. Kirby can say, look, it was a fluke. They've only done it once in the last 15 years. Look at what they did this season, the year after. Look at what we did. You know, everybody was kind of saying we might be a little bit weaker to start this season, and now they look like the best team in the country the last month of the year. I mean, that's just – it's hard to go up against. I mean, even Alabama kind of recovered after a little rocky start in the loss of Texas – they're in line to maybe make the playoff. It, it's really hard. It's really hard. And, and everything that, that that Alabama game did last season for recruiting, it's it's got to be the opposite of that a little bit when you go and lose that bad at home to a team that might also want you to come play there. I mean, that's – I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a little too negative, but I think it's realistic. Like, it's if you're recruiting, yeah. you're 17, I, I mean – it, it seems like a no-brainer where you would want to go. I mean, last year, we had multiple segments on the show after the LSU game, <clears throat> after uh, after the Alabama game, where we talked about what kind of a direct impact those wins have on your recruiting. I, I think, legitimately, I think there are guys that Tennessee won over at that Alabama game. Like, oh, yeah. because of that Alabama game. Big recruits. Because it, you know, it shocked the world, but just the the atmosphere and and how incredible that game was, and just how you can get caught up in it and and all of those things, and and you know, guys start changing their minds because they go like, "Whoa, this this can be me. This you know, this is what I want to play in front of and all that stuff." And I I don't think conversely, I don't think this is as bad as that Alabama game was good if that makes sense but it's not good it's definitely not good and you gotta stop doing it like there is just such a big difference between you know beating missouri and then going in and being legitimately competitive but losing to georgia 
between that and getting killed by both of them and looking particularly non-competitive against Georgia, where just it was so clear what kind of talent gap there was there, where they just dominated you. You know, I, I think a, a recruit can parse that between Missouri and Tennessee, you know, the talent is comparable and Tennessee just had a terrible game. It's kind of two different things. Yeah. There's having having a terrible game like Tennessee at South Carolina last year and just getting dominated by a team that has a ton of five stars on the roster. And man, it's uh it's not good, but here's where I can provide a little bit of hope. Tennessee has as good, if not better, resources than essentially every program in America. And so that's nice. You have just as big a donor as anybody else. You have uh, all all of the resources that you can need. You need. The facilities are top notch. Uh, it seems like you got good recruiters on this roster, but you got to stop doing this. <laughs> you cannot do that and think that that this isn't going to affect recruiting. And I don't think that they think that. I don't think Josh Heifel thinks that. But like. Man, it's not good. Let's just, let's not. Let's keep that to a minimum so uh, so that we don't have to worry about it. But let's also open up that checkbook, boys, and <laughs> get some of these kids to Knoxville no matter what happened this season. That's, I mean, that's part of it. But even with the NIL stuff, and I know this is kind of speculative and maybe people will disagree, but it feels like Georgia gets the guys that all they care about is winning a national championship. Like, the money's there. They're going to take it. And they probably do will, you know, use that uh, to get more money from whoever. I, I I know that, but there's just a difference in that late in the fourth quarter. Those Brew McCoy types, those Jawan Jennings types. Like you've got to have a lot of those guys on your roster to to go undefeated throughout an entire season when there's tough games uh, on the road. Like those are the types of guys that carry you. Tennessee hasn't had enough of those guys. Georgia does, and then that's what Kirby goes after. He gets those guys, and they're the fastest and the biggest, and they have that mentality. And until you start get loading up, and there's only so many of those. Like they don't just they're just not all out there. I mean, there's only so many of those in each recruiting class. Until you start getting those guys to come to Tennessee, getting those guys that are going to be playing on Sundays, uh, a lot of those guys, it's just like this thing is not going to flip. So, you know, it, it's going to be a slow build to this national championship deal if Hypo can get there it, it, there is no just overnight so I know people don't like the patience deal you got to have patience when it comes to going like a, a 14 and one season like 10 win seasons should be the expectation now moving forward but you got to stack some of those you got I mean Georgia did it for years before Kirby showed up and kind of made it easy for him uh to kind of kind of transition into this dominant program Hypo hasn't had that he's got to do that before he he can't skip that step like you have to do that before you can get to where George is at. It's just the reality. I, mean, I, I think Tramel and Billy Bob right here, they bring up good points. When you, when you start talking about having to just throw money at the problem and where, where you don't have, you know, the championship wins to draw kids into the door. Tramel said, I said when it first started, my main concern was kids coming from nothing, getting offered money that they've never seen before. And Billy Bob said, we have to play our best players and keep it all business. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in that saying, like, don't do what Butch Jones did and promise kids the moon. And then when they get here, you're like, well, actually, what if we didn't do all of that stuff that I promised you? And then they feel betrayed and there's all of this 
stuff. And or if you let a diva come in and and run over your program and be a problem in the locker room, there's you know tons of problems that can come along with that when kids are coming for money and not just for yeah, with the, ball games. NIL is a tool that you have to use right now, but it's I mean look at Texas A and M. You can't just throw money at the problem and and it solve everything. That that's not gonna that's not gonna help you surge past Georgia. It has to be something you utilize and use, and it needs to be a strong part of your program. But it's not, you know, it's not a magic fix. It's it's not. Uh, and and I mean, there's even this element too. Mark says, "Will Brew be back next year?" You can have those men and pal dudes system nil at dudes who you want to stay. <laughs> like Cooper Brew, Mays would be. He he should have a blank check probably. Pay that man because boy howdy are you gonna need him next year i mean good lord i i think you will have much more depth next season especially if you can dip into the transfer portal again you will have more depth on the offensive line next season uh and especially if you can get uh, uh uh jordan seaton um from this recruiting cycle but man yeah you're gonna have to pay up for some of those boys too to, to stick around at tennessee and, and and you maybe maybe hope that cooper wants to keep keep building his NFL resume or whatever. And he comes back without needing a blank check, but who knows? That's, that's another factor too. But uh, with that said, anything else when it comes uh, to football, before we move on to basketball and we'll, we'll go basketball and then we'll finish with a prediction for the Vandy game. No, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's just going to take time. I mean, I, I don't think there's panic, any reason for panic right now at all. I know this season hasn't gone the way fans wanted, but again, Nine and four, if you win the bowl game, it's not the worst thing that could have happened. And you can build off of that. If Nico is what you we think he is, next season should be fun and should be a completely different team. And I, I think Heupel kind of knows – he's been around long enough that he knows the situation. He kind of knows what this year's been. I think he thought he could steal a couple of games and go 10-11 wins. I think he thought 10 specifically – it's possible. I don't think he thought what happened at Missouri was going to happen. And I think he thought he had a chance to steal one of those against the big three, but it just didn't work out. Like it, it happens, and that's just bad quarterback play. Just don't let it happen again. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's all I ask. Don't, I mean, down don't. years when you're rebuilding like this, it is like Fulmer had these types of years every now and then. He had an eight and five yeah. nestled in between an eleven and ten win season. It they do happen when you're not Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State, Michigan, you know, if you're not at the top of your conference, it's kind of hard. There's only so much talent to go around. <laughs> Tramel said, oh, you read my message. Let's go. Tramel, I remember you. You, uh, I believe you were a caller on Swain Event back in the day. Good to see you again. Um, oh, and then here, this is a perfect transition here. James right below that says, how about the basketball team? Big win. Well, on that note, let's talk about that big win. Tennessee did win their opening game of uh, the the Maui Invitational today. I guess I was I was going to say this morning at uh, like two o'clock today. And let's discuss that game because it was a really nice win. Right after I tell you about Zen Sports, you've been hearing us talk about Zen Sports uh, this entire football season. Uh, they're the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee. And we're excited to share some big news. When you sign up for Zen Sports, you'll receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet with Zen Sports, you can get reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to $1,000 maximum. 
if the bet loses. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only. So if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details at zensports.com slash VIP. There's no other, no other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer service and faster withdrawals like Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports betting just got better. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. All right. With basketball, Tennessee traveled to the great state of Hawaii to play in the Maui Invitational. The Maui Invitational is actually happening in Honolulu because of the absolutely horrific fire that uh, that happened there. Um, I thought I thought they I was was kind of interested to see what they were going to do about that, and they had a, a nice intro uh, about that and Hawaii rebuilding, and I thought that was cool. Tennessee played the opening game of the tournament, so we got to see all of that. Um, and then Tennessee went out there and started off. <laughs> Not so hot, really, uh, but then got it together and uh, and ended up winning that game by 17. Um, more nice play from Dalton Connect, 17 points on his, on his own. But there was really more to talk about than just Dalton Connect. Uh, did you get to see this game, Zach? Yeah, it uh, definitely started off slow. I thought we thought there were going to be in a little bit of trouble there early on. I was like, is Syracuse better than, than we kind of thought that they might be here? And Really, it was around that time that I thought that and said that out loud that Dalton Connect kind of was like, nope, this ain't going to happen. And and therefore, stretch there in the first half, got Tennessee right back in the game, eventually took the lead. And then he was out for – how long was he out in the second half? It was a good stretch there. I think he only scored like two points in the second half. Was that? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, 15 in the first, so, two in the second. It was nice to see like – Okay, you don't. It's not just Dalton Connect that you have to have to kind of close one of these games out away. So that was that was certainly nice to see. Uh, yeah, nice performance, kind of building on what you've already built on early in the season. Uh, Adu played pretty well as well. That was nice to see. Yes. What did you think about? I thought the one stat that kind of stuck out to me was Ziegler six turnovers, by far the most turnovers on the team, coming off the bench. What, what do you make of that? He's still very rusty. And I mean, it's tough because you you can't knock off the rust without playing the kid. And and he needs a play. I mean, I don't think that he's just a dead straight liability on this team. He can be a liability at times. That was true last year. But before the ACL tear, um, you know, he he was really magic and then he would make some real boneheaded plays and you just go like, Oh, what are you doing? You're out of control. Um, and it hasn't necessarily that it that he's been out of control as much as he just hasn't looked himself. Now he just looks more timid. He's not looking as much to just make an offensive play. And and maybe that comes from the fact that there's just more, you know, you have gaining and connect. Now you have more options to go to. He, he did have a nice still breakaway for yeah. a layup at one point in the game. I mean, he's still having his moments. I think he's just gotta, you know, you just gotta knock that rust off. You just gotta get more into the groove got to get going and and i i think having those offensive additions that are really good i mean justin gainey today dude he threw down a slam that i 
I would say I've already said it on the show. You know, I heard a coach's kid was coming in and I went like, okay, well, we got another Steve Pearl on our hands here. You know, maybe he can, he can inbound the ball for us. And Jordan Ganey is, is a dude. He is a real dude and he can play. And, and I, I like that Billis and, and Shulman pointed out that he's, he's put on uh, just a lot of, what's the word physique. <laughs> he's, he's more, more cut and, and a bigger dude than he was uh, last year at USC upstate. And he's been impressive. And, and I think taking some of the pressure off Ziegler there, you know, he's not playing as intense as he had to last year. And so he just, he's a little out of sorts getting used to that new role. I, yeah, think. I mean, is that what you Sco- think? Scobie like, too. It's happened with v- Vescovy. Yeah. Minutes wise with Ziegler, is this like where you think he should be at for the whole season? Kind of staying in this role? Like, or does it need to expand? I hope it can expand. I, I mean, I really hope by the time March is rolling around that he is buzzing and, you know, it's just like both or real. I mean, at this point, you're playing a few different point guards. I mean, Jemai Meshack is playing point guard a decent amount for some reason. Um, but I, I just hope that you can you can just get that rotation going and every single guy is is reliable, 100% healthy, good to go and, and playing at the top end of their ability. But yeah, I, I think it just depends on how he progresses, I guess. You just got to see it because I I love if if Scobie can really settle in. I love how he could be used this year because he's not naturally just like take over a game point guard, that type of dude. He's perfect being facilitated. He he can be a really amazing spot up shooter and, and facilitator specifically. I mean, he can make these no look behind the back passes and all this stuff. And uh, I, I think. You know, just let that man play that ball and don't be like, oh, we need we need 12 and three steals from you in every single game. Like, just let the man play the role that he needs to play on this team. And it's kind of like Josiah Jordan James, too. And I actually I found the stat Wes Rucker posted. He said Vols plus minus leader in the 73-56 win over Syracuse was Josiah Jordan James. He was Tennessee was plus 28 in the 34 minutes that James played. Jemai Meshack was second, plus 15 in his 26 minutes. Uh, and so, Josiah Jordan-James, an unsung hero at the moment, had a double-double in this game, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, along with uh, Jonas Adu. And, you know, he's just kind of uh, just quietly having a nice, a nice season so far. And just being, when he's in and playing his role, he's being effective. That's all you can ask. Let Connect be that dude that backs down guys and makes the flashy plays and all, does all the stuff and everybody else like play play your role. Yeah, be that's the, the, dude be- that you need that's to the be. best thing about Connect is that, and not only what he brings is that it does it really does feel like it's allowed other players to settle into their more natural roles, which is better for the team as a whole. I mean that's that's kind of the exciting thing to think about with this team. Just everybody. I don't know. It's like you said, it's hard to kind of put it in the words. It just does feel more natural for everybody out there. Not like they're trying to be forced into a role. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully they, they can find it. And here's the thing. Yeah. What are you a few, a few minutes ago? So Purdue beats Gonzaga and Purdue beat Gonzaga by 10. And it's not like Gonzaga's a bad team. Um, That's going to be an interesting game. A little revenge spot for the Music City Bowl mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, I mean, they have Zach Eady. They have the reigning 
player of the year in college basketball. Um, they, they obviously lost in the NCAA tournament last year in a borderline comical way to a really inferior team, but um, it's not going to be easy because Zach Eady is way bigger than Adu. He is way bigger than Tobey Awaka, who got hurt. We don't even know if Tobey Awaka is going to be playing. Um, it, it looked like he just rolled his ankle or something, and they took him out for the rest of the game. And, oh boy, I, I don't know. I, I think Tennessee can win, but it's going to have to be guard play, guard play, guard play, guard play, guard play, and then rebound what you can, <laughs> you know, guard what you can against Zach Eady. You know, just just do as much as possible to stop them. And I think this is an incredible early season barometer. Oh, this is yeah. so good. It's, I love this so much. Win or lose, it's fantastic because one for fans, like it's an awesome early season game, Thanksgiving week, where everybody's kind of more relaxed anyway. You get to eight o'clock tomorrow night, get to watch Tennessee play Purdue. And it's a great experience. It's a great tournament experience. These are the type of teams you have to be at. Well, I mean, you got to beat a team like Purdue to, to win a championship, pretty much. I mean, that's that's the task at hand. So to have this experience already early in the year, you know, if you win, great. If you lose, it's it's still disappointing. But it's obviously, it's not the end of anything. It's November. It's yes, it means something, but it's not really going to hurt you that bad. We've seen that that this it's definitely not going to hurt you when it comes to NCAA tournament and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's an awesome thing for Tennessee, I think, to get this opportunity to play Purdue, especially in a neutral court like that. That really kind of yeah. helps you kind of size up where you're at. I mean, it, it's basically it's it's similar to what uh, what an NCAA tournament game would be like. I mean, you would you would obviously have big bigger crowds at NCAA tournament games, but um, still, I, I think it's great, and it's going to be a, a, an incredible game i'm super excited for it um because i mean just just the prospect like if you get this win you'll probably go on to play kansas and tennessee is gonna have an opportunity to be the number one team in america in a few days <laughs> like yeah. that's essentially what's on the line here because you will to to get there you will have beaten purdue who's number what are they i for, i didn't even look Four. Yeah, early in the season, it's hard to keep track of who's where and what. Yeah. Because uh, Tennessee's I, at seven right now. Yeah, Tennessee's at seven. Kansas is at number one. And so you would have, you would uh, beat Kansas. They're number two. Oh, Purdue's number Purdue's two. two. I was thinking yeah. four. Yeah, Purdue. So you would beat, in back-to-back games, you would beat the number two team in America and then the number one team in America. In you go to Chapel Hill, and then you go to Chapel Hill next week. Yeah, and then you go to UNC. So it's not, you know. Congratulations, uh, which I think they Rick should, on that scheduling. That's a road game. I think they should win anyway. I know UNC's like fourteen, but I don't know. That's still don't. I think yeah, they they're will, not. I think Tennessee will be fine. They're not amazing, um, but I, I, I would say this. I think the chance of that happening of Tennessee winning both of these games, it's there's a better chance that you're going to lose one of them. I will say that, but. Is that necessarily a terrible thing? Because you would go on and play one of the other teams that's in there. And there's really, there's no terrible team uh, in this tournament that you're going to end up playing. And so I I like it all the way around. Give yourself a chance to beat number one, number two. And and yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, a prediction, I don't even know. It's almost too early in the season. Yeah, I haven't watched no Purdue. Idea. 
I haven't watched Purdue enough. I, I gotta. I would have to see them play. Uh, need to go watch more of that Purdue Gonzaga game, maybe. But with that said, speaking of predictions, Bandy coming to town, and we're gonna finish uh, this show by predicting that game right after I tell you about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory, like the one that we had earlier today with Tennessee basketball. Then a great whiskey, and I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There is a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap. I've uh, had both, shown them both here on our show and uh, they're awesome in cocktails. Great neat in a glass. Go get your hands on a bottle in stores across the state of Tennessee, but they're also available in Kentucky, Indiana, Mississippi. Run and don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Follow Rattle and Snap at Rattle and Snap Whiskey. To the Vandy game. Uh, I did see this. Oh, it's, Billy Bob says, y'all be safe. There are storms on the Tennessee-Alabama line. I did see that. Big-time thunderstorms kind of in, in the SEC region. Uh, I'll say this, Billy Bob. Um, that's why you shouldn't live so close to the state of Alabama. That's uh, – <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I who, who am I to say? I got hit by a tornado earlier this year in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, um, all right. Vandy coming in. Vandy is hot garbage. There's really no two ways around that. They are not good at all. But Tennessee very much uh, injured and uh, not in the best shape that they've been all season. How are you feeling about this one, Zach? I mean, yeah, Vanderbilt's terrible. They've really taken a step back. Almost like they're number 100 in the nation in scoring offense, even worse defense. They're giving up like 35 points a game. I almost feel bad for Vanderbilt in a way because I think Clark Lee is a good guy. I think he's a good coach, but he's in an impossible situation. I think it's going to be impossible for Vanderbilt to really do build anything at this point with the portal NIL era. It's just not going to happen. Those, those gyms that they would get every now and then they're going to be gone. I mean, it's like Ray Davis, you know, heading out to Kentucky and, and you've seen how good he was. He's been at times at Kentucky Anybody that's any good is probably going to get, you know, scooped up by a, a bigger program that can pay an IL, that can put them on a bigger stage. It's going to be really hard, I think, to win there. The, the days of James Franklin going there and winning nine games, I don't, I don't see how we'll ever see that again at Vanderbilt. So, tough spot for them to be in, as, as ravaged as Tennessee has been with some injuries. Uh, Spragans won't be playing in this one. Some other guys are, are even if they do play, they're kind of banged up and questionable. But I still think Tennessee should should have their way with Vanderbilt. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be able to score much. Tennessee hasn't looked crisp enough for me to think they're going to air it out and score fifty nine points like they did last season. Maybe maybe with running the ball like and which they did last season in that game because it was rainy. Maybe that happens, but I don't, I don't know. I got I got Tennessee winning thirty four to six right now. Uh, that's a pretty fair prediction. I mean, I'm just looking back, South Carolina just beat them 47 to six. Auburn won since like early September. Yes. They beat Alabama, A&M and Hawaii in back-to-back weeks and lost every single game since then. <laughs> Most of them haven't been close. I think they played Auburn, which we now know is not very good at all. Somewhat close, but you know, it's been about yeah. it. 
They ironically, Missouri thirty-eight, Vanderbilt twenty-one. Uh, they played Still seventeen. <laughs> yeah, closer, yeah, better than Tennessee did. Yeah, twelve points better than Tennessee. That's not great. Um, but they have just been so abysmal in these last three weeks. I mean, six points against South Carolina, fifteen points against Auburn, and seven points against Old Miss. And it's not like no, none of those teams are, you know, just really excellent defenses. So, I mean, they're in the dumper at the moment. And and Tennessee is probably in the roughest shape that it's been in all season. But, yeah, I mean, it's in Neyland Stadium. Not that the venue would have really made that much of a difference because Tennessee fans take over Vandy Stadium every time they play there. But, you know. If, if it wasn't Vandy, it would make that Nico decision a little easier. <laughs> exactly. But it it is in Neyland and it is senior day and the, it is going to be sold out. I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, a good game for Tennessee. It's, it's three 30 directing or uh, competing SEC directly. Network. Yeah. Yeah. SC network directing directly competing against the iron bowl. Um, but I don't know. Which who made should that be a similar. That should be a similar game too. the way Auburn. Wolf. is I, I don't know that uh, Auburn Auburn's been a house of horrors for Alabama over the years. That is true. They do t- they do tend to show up in that game, kind of like Missouri for Georgia. Like they haven't yeah. beat Georgia, but they do give them a tougher game than everyone else. It seems like, and for I even mean, when bad, Freeze beat Saban twice, so in like five tries. Uh, but anywho, I mean, I I just God, I please, look at this. Please. Please let Auburn somehow beat Alabama and then Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Please. <laughs> Please. The, the best. I mean, I, I was texting y'all today about how, like, why is nobody talking about the possibility of Louisville getting into the playoff? I mean, it's it seems totally outlandish. They, they were a garbage dump team a year ago. And then all of a sudden, now, because Florida, everybody's just assuming Florida State's just going to steamroll them in the ACC championship game. Well, all of a sudden... Florida Jordan Travis is out uh, for the season. He announced today that his college career is over, um, and because of that horrific leg injury, it was terrible. And and hopefully he's you know he makes it back a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, there's there's goofy things that could happen here, and you know that's one of them. What you just said would be one of them for sure. Um, that's why I and, can't wait for the twelve team playoff. I know people like to, especially some of the college football purists. But look, it, college football is never going to be what it was. 15, 20, 30 years ago. It, I miss it too. I think we all grew up on that and, and love that, but it it is what it is. Like we're, we're not in that era anymore. So the fact that what if Louisville, you know, is a team, you know, or Tennessee could be that type of team that sneaks in as the 11 and gets hot or something and, and, and goes on a run. I mean, with more and more parity, it could happen. And that's what kind of like a little I mean, mini what, NCAA tournament. It's why I've wanted – that setup for so long and i hope that those those things do start to happen when when you get the the larger playoff but with that said i'll go for vandy i mean you just looked across the board you know ken seals at quarterback like no <laughs> no 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 uh and what they they played i didn't they play seals and swan last year and then aj swan left he's at mississippi state Right? Am I making that up? Um, I I think that's the case. I, uh, but I mean, Seals is not that guy, and uh, so I'll go 
41-13 for this one. They they do. I, I don't know if it's enough for Nico to get in the game. Oh, no. AJ Swan is still at Vandy. Who am I thinking Mike of? Wright, Mike Wright. That's Mike Wright. Wright. That's who it was. Yeah. Mike Wright. Yeah, yeah. I just I got him confused. Um, Mike Wright. Yeah, he's a Mississippi State. But, uh, no. Yeah, 41-13. You almost got Do the you... uh, Georgia store right, by the way. You had 38-17. If that, maybe if that late pass interference in the end zone gets called or Joe Milton runs to the end zone when he had nothing but green grass in front of him and stores that last touchdown, you'd have been dead on it. Yeah, I sadly. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to say that. <laughs> I, I was right in that I said uh, that Tennessee would lose to Georgia by less than they lost to Missouri by because they only lost by 28 instead of 29. Uh, isn't that nice? Um, do you think Auburn stands any amount of chance against Alabama? I mean, no, not really. But then you kind of mentioned how Auburn does show up in that game for some reason. And Hugh Freeze has had, say, not, not really had his number, but has been one of the few guys that's, that can beat him, you know, on a. Yeah. somewhat consistent basis. I mean, it is the Iron Bowl. It is a different vibe. Maybe they show up. Maybe Alabama has a terrible game. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Auburn's going to win at all, but if they make it an interesting game, I guess that would be... I could see it being weirdly close. Like, like Auburn never even gets the lead, but they're only behind by like seven. Ten, most seven, ten. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, why is Alabama not putting them away? I could see that. Kind of like the Tennessee-Kentucky game, maybe. Yeah, right, right, right. Where you're just like, why are we letting these dudes hang around? Like, just come on. Yes, exactly. All right. That's it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. This has been the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody uh, who listened. We seriously, we can't appreciate you enough. Even people like Lou Man, who is a Vandy fan, uh, you know, we'll we'll forgive him for he knows not what he does. But uh, seriously, though, to everybody that comments, that hangs out, uh, go Vols, GBO. Let's finish this one on on a high note. Oh, we didn't mention at all of that the bowl game. I didn't even bring it up. So do we do we have to circle back around now? Because I promised it all of that entire time. Then we ended up not talking about it. Holy cow! Uh, we got we got too caught up talking about recruiting. So you wrote about it today, just quickly. Actually, I, um, that was a uh, Craig. Craig that wrote about it. Oh, Craig. Craig wrote about it. My fellow Texas Rangers fan. Yes. Um, the Gator Bowl versus North Carolina or North or North Carolina State, NC State. Um, and I, really, my only take on that is, thank goodness it's not the Music City Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> that's really like the long and the short of it. Uh, but it's it's so weird, like this. Suddenly this consensus came in. I don't know if they just like if the bowl organizers like talked to reporters or something, but everybody all of a sudden was like Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, Tennessee in the Gator Bowl. I mean, it was like eight different yeah. predictions that I saw that were that. And suddenly that's like locked in place if Tennessee beats Vandy. Um well, Tennessee's not turning down the trip to Florida. And uh, all things yeah, considered, no. Gator Bowl feels a lot better than Music City Bowl or the alternative so that i mean i'd i'd be good with that i'd like to see an nc state rematch uh from like the 2012 season just because i would like to I don't know, i'd like to see him beat dave dorn after everything that kind of went down in the 2017 coaching search he was 
you know, briefly a part of that whole ordeal. And uh, former Vols coach Dave Doran. <laughs> yes, briefly. I mean, I think they they almost hired him, and then John Curry yeah. ghosted him. That was the one that Curry just quit texting him back, and Doran <laughs> thought he was going to be the Tennessee coach. Just another wild <laughs> subplot of that whole coaching search. But yeah, I would I would like to see that that matchup. Dave Doran should be happy he didn't come here. It wouldn't have been a good fit. It wouldn't. He would have been fired in three years. Yeah, be that at the coaching is whoever Arkansas State plays down there in the Sun Belt. Yeah, come on. Oh, and uh, I guess sorry that that segment is so short. That really is my only take on it, though. I love that. I I love. I'm glad it's not the Music City Bowl. But uh, do you think Nico ends up playing against Vandy? I meant to ask that. Yeah, I think he does. I think he has to, unless the game's just weirdly close, which really would be more of a reason to play him but uh, the optics of that i don't i think we know by now hypo doesn't really care for that uh i don't know i i think you start milton let him play a series or two and then milton's gotta kind of be all vol enough to know that nico playing isn't an insult to him it's what's best for the program moving forward because you're not playing for a championship you're not playing you know for a, a new year's six bowl at this point you're playing against a team that gaston moore should go in there and start and blow out so hopefully he can understand that and, and see what it's it's best for the program and hopefully that's what they do hopefully uh free the man let him play let him play some football all right that is it that is actually it this time <laughs> just had to do what, what we promised during that entire show there even though we accidentally had to throw it in right at the end. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, uh, if if you really are in the line of these storms that Billy Bob mentioned earlier, stay safe, everybody. Uh, have have a good night. Uh, and yeah, follow us everywhere. You know what to do if you're here. Yada, yada, yada. Thanks again for watching. And we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. <laughs>